0: Welcome back to part two of my payroll HRs, payroll roles and woes. Excuse me. And last week we left you with this crazy scheme of Michael T man putting all these clients, fake clients, and fake vendors together to fake invoices and fake payments in order to get a ton of money from financing companies to cover these pretend invoices. And when we last left you, they're basically, they've ratcheted everything up. Um, there's this insider at United healthcare named Luke Steiner that has most likely taken another job or is at least hoping to take another job that didn't get paid shit from this whole thing. He only got paid $11,000 while all his cohorts got millions of dollars out of this. Uh, if you missed the last episode, I really recommend you go back and listen to it because we have basically the law and order flow diagrams of how this c- criminal enterprise comes together and works and so forth that we're not going to be covering in this episode, but we're going to be covering what happened to Michael Mann, Luke Steiner and Derek Schwartz. And every time I hear Schwartz, Oh, this is going to date me, Seth. Tell me if you remember
1: this from your childhood.
0: I see your Schwartz is as big as mine.
1: Wow. Come on, Spaceballs is like uh, (laughs) a religion in our family. So, um, yes, big fans, big fans.
0: Uh, God, every time I saw his name when I was researching this, I was like, oh, I'm going to crack a Spaceball joke. I know I'm going to crack a Spaceball joke. All right, so one of the things that we talked about in our last episode, and I left it on purpose as a cliffhanger, is how did man get along with this criminal enterprise for so long because it was a span of years, and the reason why is because he was able to make some payments on these loans that he was getting from financing companies. So you got to say, well, where the money come from? Lots of different places, and that's why we're in. That's why we have a two part episode. Is part two is all the other ways he tried to cover his loans, so that way he can get more loans and continue his lavish lifestyle.
1: Right. So. If the question is how was man able to pay on all these loans the answer is that the payments were made uh to loans to keep the whole scheme going right so how do they do it so we know back in all the way back in 2009 um, man was able to gain a revolving two million dollar line of credit with uh, a specific bank called pioneer and that line of credit continued to increase every couple years after 2015. 2015 it was increased to 15 million All the way through 2019, it was increased to 42 million. And along the way, at one point, Berkshire became a co-lender in 2017, and then another company called Chemung, which I never heard of, became a co-lender. So how? So it wasn't just United slash Optum that was giving, uh, involving these false invoices. There was other companies including 3M, Best Buy, T-Mobile, so brand name companies that everyone's heard of. And in addition to that, man had hid loans that he was taking from financing companies. Here's a quick question for you, Keith. Do we know what the shell companies that man had created that was processing and, you know, submitting these invoices rather what it is they they're supposed to be doing. Like what was their service provide, providing? Ooh, (sighs) offhand. I'm drawing a blank. I don't remember offhand, but the other. We know true HR was ostensibly providing HR services, but the other. And one... you're going
0: to see there's some other man companies coming up that are also HR related. So I have a feeling it's all HR, but uh, they didn't really specify specifically in the court paperwork. Got
1: it. I'm curious to see
0: that. Well, here's a point that I was kind of like, huh, when I read it in the court paperwork and I'm going to do my best to try to explain to you. And I'm not a finance guy. I'm just, I write computer code for a living. So take this with a grain of salt. There's these things when you have a line, when you're applying or keeping a line of credit called a borrowing base certificate, where you basically kind of vouch for how much money you're worth. So that way, when you're given money through a line of
1: credit it's the right amount right so it's like if you go to a casino and you're like i'm a big roller i don't carry a lot of cash with me so and i'm too slick and heavy duty to actually you know give you my credit card i want a line of credit for a million dollars so i can have fun tonight in vegas or you know atlantic city or something like that so they're gonna be like all right you know well if somebody off the street just puts on a suit and does that they're probably not just going to extend a line of credit that way so they have to have a borrowing base certificate and basically confirm that you actually are worth anything so that it's not a tremendous risk so that if you're suddenly down three million dollars the uh the casino is going to get paid back because everyone knows the house always wins so and man then- had to i'm sorry keith you want to take this one I was just going to say that
0: he filed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, at least seven that I know of, of these certificates from 2017 through 2019. And the amounts on it start from 20, the amounts that he declares for his accounts receivable, basically the money coming in from his clients starts at 23 million in 2017 and eventually ends at 42.4 million in July of 2019. So we're talking almost double in two years if if you were to go to his true books not his al capone books but his real books for these companies <laughs> the actual figures were a lot less there were millions less and at the end of the day the people that lost money were these financing companies and the three that um the three that joined with them the pioneer berkshire and Shamung, they had an eventual loss of uh, Thirty-five point eight million dollars. So it, we're we're talking about big big figures here.
1: Yeah, for sure. By the way, that dude Steiner got how much?
0: <laughs> not even not even cash. He didn't even get a cash. He got right, Amazon credit cards. He
1: had to buy like shirts and tires and shit off Amazon. <laughs> could, uh, anyway, all right. Um, yeah, if so, he,
0: you know, if he if he needed cash, he probably had to buy Amazon stuff and then go fence it at, in his local neighborhood for half the price so he can get just the cash from it. And,
1: you know, I heard there's a uh, a kingpin um, crime lord in Michigan who used to do that kind of shit back in the day. There I, is. I just heard
0: that. There is.
1: All right. So there was a Bank of America corporate credit cards involved as well. Uh, those incurred a loss of over oh, $850,000. That was the current credit card balance as of uh September of twenty nineteen Man even bought a jeep on his credit card, which is kind of baller, right? You all can do a dealer, throw it on the plastic. you don't deal with financing. I'm just going to cover it here. I guess it was uh, a pretty high um high limit on that that's interesting
0: yeah. i that would be if I could buy a any car on a credit card, Seth, I would be like, that's it. I've made it in life.
1: I've made it in life. I mean, technically we could, right? I mean, you know, you can get an Amex (laughs) and they have no limit, right? You can just throw it down on there, but you know, that's still pretty baller thing to do. All right. So we know value wise and my payroll HR were involved here. So eventually this scheme was losing steam, but man still needed money, right? So now let's talk about what my payroll HR even is. So we talked earlier in the last episode about the parent company that Mann owned called ValueWise, which again, we don't really know what it does, but we know this. They own a company called MyPayrollHR and the main shareholder, Michael T. Mann. And what they did was they processed payroll and tax payments for over a thousand clients across the USA. So basically they're responsible for thousands of employees getting paid. They had bank accounts from Pioneer Bank, which I've not heard of, and Bank of America, which we all have. There was another company called Cache Financial Services, or CFS, and that was my payroll HR's ACH intermediary. So what a lot of these payroll companies do is they just kind of have a service called Automated Clearinghouse, or ACH, which is just a bank-to-bank transfer of funds. So basically... Cachet Financial Services or (CFS) takes money from my payroll HRs clients, and they pay their employees using instructions from my payroll HR. That's the logistics that they provide. Money was supposed to be transferred to CFS's trust account, but it was regularly diverted through a my payroll HR bank account at Pioneer.
0: So, reading between the lines, there shady shit like that should not be happening. as right what we're saying
1: he was using my payroll HR to funnel money.
0: Yeah. And so September 5th, 2019. So it's the end of the criminal run here. My payroll HR ceased operations. And you wonder why buckle up. This is where this case goes nuts. And I couldn't even think of a good organizational chart to kind of explain this to you. I'm just going to do the best I can with words because they kind of do a lot of crazy shit. To try to cover money and a lot of people lose money so what happened here so cache i'm just gonna say the name cache but rather than cfs cache said on september of 2019
1: cache is the intermediary just so we're clear that's that's the uh, ach intermediary
0: they said my payroll hr failed to route the payroll payments to them as regularly scheduled so kind of how it works is Cachet gets the money and then they get instructions on where to take all that money and disperse it amongst all the employees and what they're saying financially is hey i, th- I they're saying well you know we got instructions on to pay people but we didn't get the money to back <laughs> up those payments we never actually like, got the funds to pay it and they covered it yeah so there was $7.2 million for that payroll round, and they covered it. Here's another kicker. Cache then lost 19 more million. So they just covered 7.2 million of employees' payroll, which is you know awesome that they did that. But then they got $19 million stolen from them, basically, in another transaction from my payroll HR where there was supposed to be $19 million shifted into it from my payroll HR. And then um, it was basically shifted back out to one of man's companies. But guess what? The money never came in, but it did go out. So they lost that $19 million too. So when this stuff started hitting the fan, Bank of America and Pioneer froze man's uh, company bank account. So he couldn't do anything. And because of that, that's why a lot of this payroll snafu happened. Okay, so I'm, I'm giving you a lot of stuff at once. It's because it all kind of happened at once, where there's all these issues with the you know the ACH transfer and so forth, and then there's the the um, the accounts frozen, which causes you know even more issues with uh, not being able to, to make the payments that they should be making. So why? Did CFS cover the payments? Eh, we're gonna talk about that in a second. I know that's that was the top of my mind when I was reading the court paperwork. We got a little bit more information in a slide or two. I know you're not seeing the slides, but in a in a few minutes, you're gonna see uh, more information on this. And it was interesting because I was thinking, Seth, that like this guy's business strategy isn't just take some money from one person; it's take money from everybody. Well, it was, you know, it's like it's not I get rob Peter to person? pay
1: Paul, as you said. It's it's rob Peter to pay Paul, and then rob Paul too, <laughs> yeah. which is very astute and very accurate here. So let's fast forward to uh, January through August of 2019. So most of the year of 2019, man could not get loans to continue the fraud scheme. So he started kiting. What is kiting? I didn't know either. Kiting is writing a check without funds to a second account, and then writing a check from the second account without funds to the first, inflating the balance of both accounts. And kiting can be done on more than two accounts. So this is like catch me if you can stuff, right? This is basically using bank's own um, bureaucratic process against them, right? It would take them weeks to figure out that, wait a second, you know, neither of these accounts have any money and both are inflated here. So, bank of america said man was kiting millions of dollars in checks between bank of america and pioneer between august 1st and august 30th of 2019. now this caused bank of america and pioneer accounts to freeze as a result i'm wondering keith if the reason why this all got really really shifty is because steiner left or ceased to operate with this where they couldn't continue funneling uh, you know, money in and out of United and the, uh, the financing companies. So they had no more cash cow. I mean, the only way this worked was to have a constant flow of money. And the only way that worked was to have a constant flow of fake invoices getting cashed. And I think if that, that stopped, that must be why he got so desperate here and literally was writing checks he could in cash.
0: <laughs> I, I think you're, you're probably correct. I don't, I don't have the evidence to prove it, but when I read it initially, when I did the research on it, my line of thinking was, "Okay, they must have hit like some threshold that they couldn't really cover with their old scheme anymore," and that was my line of thinking. But when you say this and Steiner leaving, this that could be the reason why this just went crazy. And like, I mean, we know there were like other said,
1: there were other entities involved, right? I don't know how much we don't know from this case, Keith. Keep me honest on that how much money was funneled through companies outside of United. We know some of them were, were listed, right? We saw 3M um, and uh, uh, I forgot the other companies there, but there were several you know, brand name companies there. But if their cash cow, so to speak, Steiner, their insider is no longer doing his thing, I'm wondering if that's directly related here. Anyway, let's move on. So we know my payroll HR couldn't do the thing they're supposed to do, which is you know pay payroll. Uh, and since the accounts were frozen, my payroll HR clients' employees would not being paid, which is imagine your job, you work at some random office, and suddenly you're not getting paid anymore. And you're like, WTF? It turns out, actually, the company that's supposed to supply payroll, they don't really can't do it because the company that's supposed to actually ultimately give them money doesn't have any. It'd be a real problem. So CFS, the uh, the ACH processor covered the payroll here, and again, I guess that's the insurance that they provide. But you know, obviously, they're not going to be happy at having to continue doing that. The payroll was seven million dollars, and an additional nineteen million, as we learned from our last couple of slides, was also taken from CFS when a deposit did not land before a withdrawal.
0: Yeah, it was like it's like you kick them all down. Did you just cover seven million dollars? But now you have another. Right, now you got to cover
1: another nineteen. So let's talk and, about tax money.
0: Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, I told you it's going to get crazy quick. So now there's other companies involved. So Valuise, the man company, owns 51 percent stake in this other company, Southwestern Payroll Service. And let me pause for a second here, Seth. I'm at one of my favorite series is The Sopranos, and one of the things you learn about The Sopranos is whenever the mob gets into something, they kind of they're like a virus. They kind of like take control of it and suck as much money out of every little piece of it that they Well, can. if they
1: can make $3 million on this, why not make $3.1 million doing this and that, right? I remember that was kind of the thing. They'd want, you know, because they had to keep earning. That was always well, the rule. You got to keep earning.
0: And one of the Sopranos episodes I'm thinking about is the guy that owned the sporting goods store that Tony Soprano you know, he was owed money from him and they basically went in and just owned his store and stole shit and wrecked shit and basically episode, made yeah. all their money from him. And the whole time they're basically pilfering the store and making the money off of them. And I just had that vision in my mind when I'm reading this, which is like Michael Mann sitting there going, okay, well I need some more money. And he's like, he looks around at which companies he owns and he goes, well that one looks like it has money and I haven't pilfered that one yet. And so ValueWise owns 51% of this other company called Southwestern Payroll Service. So it's not even a full owner. He owns just a, a controlling share. Well, what happens is, and I know this is getting even more convoluted, but there's the payroll that happens. And if you're paid in America, you know that your payment happens, but a chunk of your payment goes to taxes. Well, there's another company and another service behind the scenes that deals with that portion of it, of taking taxes out of your payroll and making sure it goes to uncle Sam and you getting credit for it and all that stuff. Well, that is Southwestern payroll service here. So my payroll HR is the one that pays the employees, but Southwestern payroll services service is the one that deals with the tax portion of that payment. So Michael Mann saw that as a ne- his next cash cow that he could pilfer. He then started rerouting the tax payments that were supposed to go to Uncle Sam to from the employer's accounts, so basically the clients of Southwestern. <laughs> and he started sending them to accounts that Michael Mann owned instead of sending it to the IRS, which is... Whew, you know it's like he's ratcheting it up even further so this happened and I- i've been part of companies that have been bought by other companies and uh, sometimes it's a good experience sometimes it's a bad experience i imagine in this case when ValueWise bought southwestern southwestern was just like Fuck afterwards because afterwards they of, had no idea. And yeah, again,
1: it was only fifty-one percent. So this is just like a stock transaction. There was really no formal ownership change. And you know what
0: they did is they just went in and basically stole all the money. Basically, the crown jewels of why Southern Payroll Service existed was stolen out from underneath them and used for Michael Mann to cover you know his other right, which is Ponzi scheme activity. stuff,
1: right? You know, I mean, they keep moving money around, make like you have money. But at some point, there's a shortfall. So here, there was an additional $17 million in uh, in, ta- in payroll tax payments, not paid. Um, and the accounts were finally frozen at the bank Pioneer. And Southwestern sued everybody. <laughs> they sued Pioneer even for even seizing the assets. <laughs> the bank's like, oh, great, we got $17 million deposited in our account. That's sweet. And next thing you know, they're slapped with a lawsuit for seizing a ca- assets meant for taxes. That's still in litigation, by the way
0: yeah this this one's still in litigation we there's another litigation that we actually have an update on at the end that we'll talk about through um this cachet. guy
1: man like left a a uh a disaster in his wake of of litigation and people suing each other because he's have so many corporate entities at play here yeah so it's... also i'm going to cover this one keith because i was a tax attorney in the day uh filed false tax filings right so man filed shockingly you know the fraud didn't just end with what he thought um false tax returns from 2014 to 2017 for companies like whites so remember whites is one of his other entities um he listed um between nine and 34 million dollars in gross receipts when the uh amount owed to whites was close to zero so this is one of the things that donald trump has been accused of which is um you know basically wildly inflating the value of your company and a lot of times it's through accounts receivable or uh, things will, or, or you know, I think for Trump, it was both that and uh, wildly inflating the actual value of an asset. But here, um, this was account receivable, right? Gross receipts. Yeah.
0: I, if you ask me, though, it sounds like it was a manifestation of greed and dishonesty. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost done. I promise you, we're almost done. <laughs> All right. So So now we jump to.
1: Keith, tell us how they finally got him.
0: So we jump to September 10th, 2019, and they finally, finally, the law, and I use that air quotes, the law catches up with man. He's interviewed with um, law enforcement with his attorney, and he just starts admitting shit. So he says, you know, in 2010, 2011, he began borrowing large subs of money from banks under false pretenses. Okay, you know, it sounds like he almost might start kind of almost innocently, but that snowballed. And he said, "My payroll HR was actually a legitimate company." Like I said, you know, that Tony Soprano sporting goods store—it was a legitimate company to start with, but by the end, it was all wrecked. Uh, He said other companies were generated to to create fake receivables and get loans and lines of credit. He said they borrowed against these fake receivables or these fake. Right, and that was that what, what were we tried doing.
1: to explain in 40 different times. What essentially he was doing was generating fake receivables from fake companies. All right. Um, and then he was borrowing against the fake receivables. That's really the, the crime.
0: And he admitted to obtaining about $70 million he didn't pay back. And so when I saw that immediately, I was like, what does one spend $70 million that you just got with that whole crazy scheme? Well, he said in his interview that most of the money was used to sustain some businesses and purchase slash start new ones.
1: So let's talk about that because I'm calling bullshit. I miss the old days, Keith, the old days being our earlier podcast where, you know, people with new money would buy like snowmobiles and, and trucks with the rims and shit. So I am curious what assets he he personally held in terms of homes or cars or boats Because I don't buy that he was reinvesting his newly found stolen money into other businesses. I call bullshit on that. Although I am sure he did have to keep ratcheting up how much he stole to continue covering what he was stealing. And by the way, did I mention that the key player who was involved in getting this to even happen got $11,000 in
0: Amazon gift cards?
1: cards. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, Jesus. Every time I think of that, I'm like, that poor man.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So what else did we learn here, Keith?
0: All right, so he um, continued admitting to cutting checks. So this is kiting, k i t i n g checks. It's it's allergy season, so it sounds like I might say cutting, but anyways, he's kiting checks between B of A, which is Bank of America, and Pioneer as part of the scheme, which is the pretending I have money, writing one check to one account, writing a check back to the other account before they actually post the money in order to pretend you have. Now, I recommend you don't try that at home. Never have.
1: Don't try that at home. Not a good idea. Yep.
0: He also admitted to routing clients' payroll to bank accounts at my payroll HR and he then owned at Pioneer. Just so we're to, clear. Routing
1: is a synonym here for stealing.
0: Yeah. Routing means moving the money from bank accounts electronically. So what he says is I'm stealing electronically my client's payroll to a bank account that my payroll HR, which again, I I as an Michael Mann own at Pioneer why to look like I have money in there so it reduces what I owe or my liabilities well don't forget he also had
1: to show right those um to get those uh, financing they had to show you know this is the casino uh let's al- al- um, uh, say allergy <laughs> this is um yeah this is to show that he actually had accounts receivable coming in so the finance company would continue extending a line of credit and giving him loans on his stuff.
0: Yeah. And this is the point when Pioneer started freezing the accounts, and because they froze the accounts, then my the payroll right, payments my had payroll couldn't do the
1: it. legitimate business of actually getting payroll out.
0: And the house of cards came falling down. But think about that, the average forward.
1: Joe worker; either didn't get paid, or they had to hope that CFS was getting covered. So CFS got really, really reamed here. Yeah. Well, they didn't. They didn't. Well,
0: they did but in theory they didn't. We'll I'll, I'll show you in a second. I, okay. I mean but the whole the whole thing was a man-made disaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so now we got Steiner. We got the guy that paid almost nothing and who was the whole fulcrum of this criminal enterprise. Is he pleads guilty, which should make everybody else shit a brick. He pleads guilty to conspiracy to commit wire fraud, his restitution. everybody meeting,
1: not everybody on the call here or the, the podcast, everybody who meeting Schwartz and man should be shitting a brick. Plus any other co-conspirators.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so his restitution, according to the court paperwork, and I, this is good in theory, but his restitution was 3.1 million to financing company one <laughs> and 10.0 million financing company number two and i was like holy shit seth how is he gonna pay 13 million dollars with his eleven thousand dollars of amazon gift cards
1: yeah i I, at this point like it's almost hilarious this is like almost a saturday night live skit like Coda, which is like hey you were involved in 13 million dollars in fraud good thing you got that 11 grand right which i'm sure (laughs) he probably spent on some bullshit in amazon so i'm not even sure he had to forfeit it i don't know it's uh his sentencing is pending I almost kind of feel sorry for the guy, not because he so blatantly was committing fraud, but that he got so little out of it. And he's going to be doing time. He's going to be paying back money for the rest of his life for $11,000 in Amazon gift cards. Yeah. Which he didn't even was... get to keep. That's got to go back too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he has to pay money or what, but I mean, it was listed as forfeiture in the paperwork. So somehow I imagine the government came for it, but to, to, just one more thought on that is, okay, thirteen million dollars though, like we've talked about in prior episodes, how the f do you pay that like if you're a, If you're a convicted criminal and you have restitution of anything over a couple of years' worth of salary, it seems like that'd be a, like that'd be a life financial sentence, I'd imagine
1: yeah, I don't know how that works. I mean, you know I know we don't we don't have debtors' prison here, and I guess that's the closest thing to it is for the rest of his earning life whatever he makes a piece of it has to go to the government, not taxes, by the way, restitution. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about our main man here, uh, Michael T man and what he pled to. So, uh, in August of 2020, he pled guilty to 12 counts. And by the way, that was a plea. So there must've had hundreds of counts against him. This is, I guess what the easiest thing to stick to him was 12 counts, one for uh wire fraud conspiracy, uh, two for aggravated uh, identity theft. That's interesting. There's your uh, crypt, There's your uh, cyber there. Um, three through eleven of bank fraud and twelve for filing a false tax return. Restitution. This is great, Keith. Let's go because this is our, our now our kingpin in terms of restitution for all of our podcasts. Well, so far.
0: The f- actually, if you hit the identity theft, that was the pretending he was Steiner.
1: Right. I forgot that. Thank you. He pretended yeah. he was Steiner in an email. Right, that's good. Thank you. So $3 million to financing company one, 9.9 to financing company two, 4.1 to financing company three. Now we've seen that before. So there's your 17 mil. Not great, but this guy's got several banks, to, you know, sorry, several entities. Maybe he can sell the assets or Goodwill, and maybe you can scrape some of that. scrape some of that together. But wait, an additional 36.6 million to several banks. And to cap it off, million distribution determined by court for a total of over 100 million dollars so this guy even though he may be out of jail in another 12 years or so he is uh he's done so he had to forfeit 14.4 million from company bank accounts did I mention that Steiner had eleven thousand dollars in Amazon gift cards? By the way, that's what he got out of this. <laughs> um, 30...
0: Well, this fucker's rolled. Wait, well, this fucker's rolled around in a twenty twenty Jeep Gladiator bought off a credit card.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his suspect. Yeah, it's very suspect. So fourteen point four million from company bank accounts, thirty thousand shares of Pioneer Bank Corp Inc. I guess that's uh, the bank he used. I'm not sure why he had that many. I guess that's the bank he used because he had a lot of shares there his 2020 jeep gladiator purchase on credit card and then a follow-up an additional money judgment of another 100 million dollars so restitution of uh basically 100 is that a separate amount from the 100.8 above because they're both restitution
0: it's the it's actually the same
1: that was my my note i see okay so uh, in addition to the 100 million he had to forfeit everything he had in his accounts, which totaled 14 million. He had to forfeit his 30,000 shares of Pioneer Bank Corp, which was probably worth probably close to a million dollars, if not more, and his truck.
0: Yep. All right, so then, man gets sentenced on August 12th, 2021. He is sentenced for 144 months, and I can never do the math in my head, so I did it for you. It's about 12 years
1: in prison. You do not know that 12 times 12 is 144? I guess I do
0: yeah uh three and this is pretty standard three years supervised release I almost every case it's three years supervised release now this this is the one that was I thought was funny he is not allowed to contact Luke Steiner <laughs> now let's let's for a moment let's for a moment imagine Ma- Michael Mann stopping over at Luke Steiner's house for a beer Luke Steiner better for his eleven thousand dollars. And Amazon gift cards that he now owes, what was his restitution? It was millions of dollars of restitution. When Michael Mann comes up to him, he better be like, fuck you, fuck Schwartz, fuck (laughs) all of you guys, (laughs) because he got ripped off out of all the whole criminal enterprise, he got ripped off the most out of this. He might be a good
1: potential customer for violence as a crime, violence as a service rather, off the dark web, because he might be that angry. Yeah. All right. What happened to Mr. Schwartz? Well, let's go back to Mr. Mann. So, uh, let's see here. So we already went through it. So yeah, this is just a repeat of all the different bank accounts uh, that he had to um, uh, uh, forfeit money on. I don't think we need to go through this one, kid.
0: No, it was just a. It's a breakdown of which um, accounts he had, and I'll, I'll quickly go through the banks. But it was like Millennium Funding, PDB Investor, Access Bank, Pioneer Bank, Berkshire Bank, Bank. Uh, bank of america cachet and basically they have the total so as you can see there it wasn't just like he went and ripped off one place it, he base he hit a whole bunch of people when he went down
1: so uh last two summers ago it's 2023 august of 2021 mr schwartz was indicted they got him on one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and counts two through five of wire fraud so this is still being litigated but given how much nexus we have in just communications alone between Mann and schwartz and Schwartz and uh steiner uh i don't know how he's gonna unless he maybe turn states evidence i don't know but um he's certainly gonna be uh uh doing some time and paying back quite a bit of money also I'm we'll, we'll keep everyone updated as we get information on that case
0: i see your Schwartz. this is big
1: as mine you have the ring so what else Our did we rights. learn? What else was uh, so, in the ruckus here?
0: I've alluded to this throughout the podcast here, but Caché, like Southwest, they sued everybody.
1: So Caché have- was the automated clearinghouse uh, intermediary. So they were the suckers that were supposed to actually make the, um, the payments directly to the actual payroll recipients on behalf of my payroll HR, which was a company owned by man.
0: Yep. And they win the default judgment, which basically means that Michael Mann owns or owes them. Um, let's see. It looks like about twenty seven and a half million dollars. So earlier when I said, hey, there was a win for Cachet, kind of in theory. Yeah, they won. Yeah. He's well, supposed hold to on, hold them. on,
1: hold on, hold on. Let's back up. There are three different amounts of money that are owed here. So or two. So there's a. Breach of contract claim against them, and they are, were awarded, a meaning breach of contract from Cache against defendants, my payroll, for twenty five point six million. There are also consequential damages on top of that. Again, against Michael Mann directly, not against Michael Mann and payroll cumulatively, but against Michael Mann personally for twenty seven and a half million dollars. And then there are punitive damages. Related to the plaintiff's fraud claim against Michael Mann for twenty five point six five, but that's the same amount of money as the actual breach claim. So I'm not sure if it's some combination of seventy five million or only about fifty million. But either way, I'm not sure that my payroll HR nor Mister Mann has the money to pay him that. Yeah, I'm not sure Cashay got away with, you know, not being terribly scathed here.
0: It could be seven trillion dollars and I don't think they're gonna get much out of
1: him right. because and he's by the be way, in interest is running years. on this that's the other thing. Interest is running on this. So for the rest of Michael Mann's life, he'll be paying Cachet money.
0: All right, so that's it. That's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. A, again, we try to give you different flavors of different electronic crime uh cases that are out there. And so let's go through the conclusion, and I'll start with the first one, Seth. I The whole time I researched this, the whole time I wrote the notes for our podcast, the whole time I sat here and and produced this with you, Seth, I'm still confused how cutting is still possible past the year 2000. Like yeah, It, I it get seems it like there should be safeguards.
1: Um, yeah, especially given that banking is fairly regulated by the alphabet soup of banking regulators so i agree i don't understand that either uh and if i was the bank that got busted on this or, or you know um i would want to you know call leonardo dicaprio i guess <laughs> see if they can <laughs> take a look at it uh ach clearing houses didn't check the transfers until after they occurred so that is clearly a, a weak spot that um should have been addressed and it's it's
0: basically the kiting of ACH transfers is what he took advantage of. It's just a different flaw in the system. And another thing that made this whole crime possible was having an insider, having an insider, faking invoices, answering phone calls, answering emails, responding to emails, text messages, and so forth, made everything believable. So these financing companies were just handing Michael Mann money
1: yeah um yeah for sure so here we you know the scheme worked well when there was an insider faking invoices right um but you have to wonder if it was worth losing your whole career eleven thousand dollars in return for that i still am trying to process that in my brain um but here we have a situation where criminals played a shell game right so whether it's you know ponzi schemes are not a new thing it's based upon a very old term but you know anything with uh Anything with fraud via via funds that get moved around, the game would run out, right? And that was a good point that you made here, Keith. Let's talk about the sentencing here because this is interesting.
0: Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen the gamut of sentences. We're on episode 11 now. So we've well, seen anything from two, right? a few months to uh, – I can't even remember our highest, but I think it was like close to 10-ish. Yeah. And this one is 12 years, which – yeah, it's it's one of the higher ones that we've seen in this episode but in my opinion is that high enough i don't know i don't well, it I mean, know <laughs> it's kind of low to me i think look my, I, i'm not a
1: prosecutor but i have friends who are and you know generally i think if you can get a solid prison sentence and stop spending taxpayer money on litigating or you know prosecuting a case generally that's going to be what they go for right so if this is a plea deal that's what you know I'm sure if you added up all the potential prison time that man was facing, if they were to try to really go all out, it would have been 100 years. So you know, I'm not saying it's the right call to give him 12. And you know, I'm sure that with 12 that means he gets out in less because criminal the process sorry, the prisons are overcrowded here. But um, I understand why I guess if you're the prosecution, you take the deal. And by the way, I'm sure there's other crimes they can get him on later, if they really feel the need to do that. You know, a lot of um, prosecutors will do that right they'll put a couple in their pocket in case they want to get somebody later um the question that is to be asked though is how do you go about paying off over a hundred million dollars in restitution if you're a businessman and you've just spent 12 years in prison uh you know he's not suddenly gonna you know pick up his boxing gloves again and step back in the ring for a big payday um I wonder if this ties into maybe he had other funds that they didn't go after maybe he had offshore accounts Or maybe, you know, there's an assumption that uh, there'll be money uh, paid out via insurance. I don't know the answer, but uh, it's, it's an interesting question. And the moral of the story, though, to be silly, is what, Keith?
0: Don't trust anybody with three initials in their name. And I said that because I use my middle initial also a lot of times. So I had to make fun of him and I had to make fun of myself. But you know what, Seth? You know, in the end... Michael Mann, he really, really thought he was smarter than everybody else. He, he was up what seventy million dollars, but in the end, he was just a man on the run. First one. All right, so that's the end of our. That's really the end of our episode. Um, if you haven't yet, please do visit our website. It's E C R I M E B Y Y is in yellow milk T E S dot com. And if you look on the top there, we've got menus to all of our social media accounts and newsletters and glossaries on how to understand this kind of stuff. And we really do want to hear from you. So if you like these episodes, please do drop us a line. Uh, We hope to see you on episode 12, which is actually uh, really interesting. Our next episode is actually uh, doing, it's investigating the Theft of Nuclear Secrets in Annapolis, Maryland, which is close to me and a pretty exciting case. So I hope to see you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks, so. all.